I love old movies. I love old movies. I love classic movies. I love black and white. And back then, I'm a lot older than I look. So back then, there was only like five channels. Four channels? I don't know, five. And uh, so there were a lot of older movies that played on Sunday. And uh, the MGM movies were my favorite. And it was always like, someone's in the business and someone's gonna, I'm gonna destroy you, you know? <laughs> You'll never work in this town again. And it was always like that kind of movie. And I was like, yeah. this is what I want to do. I want to make stars. I want to make stars. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my mom at eight, I want to make stars. And she's like, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. I just want to make stars. I want to make stars. She's like, why don't you want to be a star? I'm like, I want to be a star. I want to make a star. So I just knew since I was like eight that I wanted to like be a driving force behind stars and create them mm-hmm. and help push them along in their careers. So my job isn't a job. My job is like a career dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's what I always, always wanted to do. Welcome to Show Your Receipts, where we believe if you can see it, you can be it. Receipts are evidence or proof that something has occurred. Our guests are evidence that Black excellence is alive and well. They will be sharing their receipts on how they've been able to accomplish so much in their life. I'm your host, Tony Jackson. Let's get started. We have a special, special guest today. I'm going to read off her incredible resume. Um, Shannon Barr is the founder and CEO of the boutique public relations firm based in Los Angeles, California, Strategic Public Relations. She's a PR veteran of over 20 years. She started her path to entrepreneurship when she opened her first PR firm, Shannon Barr Public Relations, or SBPR, as it was well known. At SPBR, she represented some of today's biggest and brightest stars at the start of their careers. They include they included Emmy winner Niecy Nash, Oscar winner Octavia Spencer, Glee's Harry Shum Jr., Laz Alonzo, Nickelodeon megastar Victoria Justice, NBA icon Dennis Rodman, just to name a few, and worked as the urban liaison in PR for, for such studios as Lionsgate and Universal, and was the first personal publicist to represent the new sport of MMA repping such champions as Rampage, among others. In 2013, she made the jump from owner to VP at the world's biggest and first Hollywood PR company, Rogers & Cohen, where she became the first black uh, female VP in Los Angeles offices. It was there that she extended her professional identity, signing such names as Kiki Palmer, Jovan Adepo, Sweetie, Machine Gun Kelly, Lynn Whitfield, Tyga, and Golden Globe Tony Emmy winner actor Jeffrey Wright. In 2019, leaving RNC to found her current PR company, Strategic Public Relations, she christened the company by representing the biggest hip-hop festival, Rolling Loud's fifth anniversary in Miami, garnering over 1 billion positive mainstream and urban media impressions. She continues to represent talent and has represented such icons as Nia Long, Lynn Whitfield and Robin Gibbons and continues to represent Robbie, a male reality star and icon Kenya Moore and America's top model breakout Eva Marcel and director and icon John Singleton, among several other diverse talent clients. She also represents the urban entertainment companies, the Impact Network, Manny Halley Productions, as well as the Discovery Channel. I could go on and on, but let's chat with Shannon. We are excited to have her here today. The beautiful, the talented, the boss lady, Shannon Barr. Shannon, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I am excited to have you here, Shannon. 
obviously you did some amazing work with my wife on the Dr. Mercy show. And I got an opportunity to see you in action. And it was just impressive to see you in this space, this beautiful, strong black woman in an industry that traditionally doesn't look like you and just seeing you execute at the highest level and to do your thing. It was very, very impressive. So I am excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So we're going to hop right into it. Shannon, could you please explain to me, share with me, you know, they, they say that the money that we make is a representation of the problems that we solve. Can you explain to me what problems does strategic public relations solve uh, for its clients? Well, I, that just kind of depends on the client as an individual, what's going on with them. I mean, they could have a crisis where, as example, when I was working with Neil Long, um, her fiance cheating on her, Emea Dupo, when he was the Boston Celtics coach. Mm. Or it could be when I was working with Tyga, him one time at a club where he got in a fight and then he was going to grab his security guard's gun and they had that on video. I had to fix that. And then one time his ex-girlfriend at the time showed up at his house drunk and started some sort of mess and ended up with a black eye and I had to fix that. So it just kind of it depends on like what client needs now most clients don't need crisis pr most clients are quiet and normal but you know there comes a time you just don't know when anybody might be in trouble and i've dealt with a lot <laughs> but for the most part what i do i get my clients press and i put them on red carpets and my job is to up their persona and entertainment get industry eyeballs on them and help them be able to navigate to the next level in their career. And if they're at that level, just continue to keep them at the top of their level, at the top of their game by finding new and exciting different things for them along with A-list mainstream top tier press and events to attend and things like that. So it just it just really varies, you know, so we could be at the beginning of a career and it's just about putting their first PR shoot together, getting them on their first major carpet, getting them on their first cover, whether it's a digital cover or print cover and just starting their careers and just helping them go from a $25,000 series regular, helping them raise a profile that their agents and managers can negotiate maybe a 50 or 60,000 episode per episode quote the next time because of that how elevated I've helped them get. Mm. Okay. Oh man, you touched on some key stuff. So let me go to my next question. What does a normal day, and I'm sure you don't have normal days, but what would a normal day in the life of Shannon Barr look like as this CEO founder of a public relations company? What does that look like? Let me tell you what this day looks like. So I've spent the majority of this day on the phone with my client who is in a awards contender film that drops December set December 15th. He is the lead of the film. We are in the middle of a strike, actor strike, that we're hoping is going to end this week. The writer's strike just ended two weeks ago. The Both the strikes killed PR business tremendously. But this particular client, who is fantastic, it stayed on the entire time. He has done an amazing, amazing performance in this new film. It's called American Fiction. It's coming out. 
And I saw it three months ago and I was just, I walked out of there and I said to the studio, he's, he's going to get nominated for an Oscar and they go, we know. And so from that moment on, I have just been in my mind putting together his Oscar campaign, his sad campaign, his critics choice campaign, his independent spirit awards campaign. I've been putting everything in my mind and strategizing how I'm going to lay out the next from when the strike happened, which was, I think, after strike, which was, I think, two months ago that started, tell Oscars. So I've been laying out his, literally his plan from the get-go. And even though there's been a strike, I've been working behind the scenes to get his, to start putting together more than half of his award show campaign. So today we went over a lot of the stuff that's pending. And then because it's such an intricate campaign, I'm even doing his scheduling and everything. I just don't want... Mm. I don't want anything that falls through the cracks. So today has all been about him and this podcast. Tomorrow will be about something else. Will be about a new client I just signed. That's a which is completely totally different. Tomorrow I'm working on my new client, Jasmine, who's like the main girl on this on the Bravo series Summer House, which is a Black Martha's Vineyard reality series, and she's fabulous. And I just signed her two days ago, and she's bright. She's classy. She's she's a right. She's aspiring writer, aspiring actress. She studied acting in school. She's definitely like the kind of person that I like to represent. If I'm going to rep anyone that's not on a Jeffrey level, then the people that I rep, I have to see. I have to be able to see their future when I'm talking to them. And if I would be, and then if I would be able to get help, get them where they need to be. And so that's kind of how I pick my clients. That's amazing. It's interesting. Like you throw around words like Oscars and, you know, these movie stars and it it sounds very, very glamorous. And I'm sure it is. But share with me, what are the skill sets that are required? I know you mentioned some campaigns that you're that you're putting on for uh, for one of your clients. What are the skill sets that are required to be able to do what you do on a day to day basis? Well, you really have to. Here's the interesting thing. So when I started my first company. I started it out of the blue on a whim and I wasn't trying to start a company. It just happened. And since I didn't come from a major PR company, I did not have that PR clout. So when I started the company, I started with all mostly teenagers on Disney Channel, Nickelodeon and on series like the Bernie Mac show, Providence, like things like that. Like I did like a lot of the, the kids on the show. And when you're doing kids or you're doing emerging talent, you're usually there. If you're their first publicist, you will get fired eventually and they will end up with somebody else and they'll have like five or six publicists down the road until they find someone to stick with. But the reason why I started off with kids was because with kids, they don't see color. And so when you're signing kids, they just want the pretty publicist who makes them laugh and who they think like, oh, mommy, I want to sign with her. I love her. You know what I mean? And so with it was, I, I did that on purpose because I wanted to, I wanted, that was the only way that I could put together a diverse client list because everybody that I was getting re- recommended to who was older were kind of like black ghetto that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not me. And so okay. I thought, well, the kids route is the way to go. And then I build a diverse client list and then people can see what I can do with everybody, no matter if they're black, white. Mexican, Asian, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
so that's how I how that started. And I'm sorry, I forgot. I kind of forgot the question because I'm rambling. What was the question? No worries, no worries. I was really just asking, what is the skill set that's required to excel and be good at okay. what you do? Okay, so for me, that was number one was to de- develop a, a diverse client list. Second, I think it's just you have to really like this job, and you can't be affected by stars. Like you can't be affected by them. You can't be all googly eyed over them. I mean, sure, you run into Brad Pitt and he's hot. Yeah, you want to be googly eyed over him, but you know you don't do it in front of your client. But <laughs> everybody's got you know they're they're one. But it just really is about keeping calm. It's always about being cool. Don't let the client hear you yell. Don't let the client know there's an issue. Just handle it. Like for instance, I have client. My client going to an event, a big black tie event, Saturday. That's very, 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 very A-list. And when I, and they asked me for him like two or three months ago. And I pushed him to attend the event. I pushed him. And because of the strike, the studios can't fly you in. And studios can't give you a glam budget or styling budget or provide a car or anything. So everything's coming out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So that when I confirmed him, they said he didn't have a plus one. And I was like, well, why didn't you say that three months ago? Mm-hmm. And then when they, I said, what's his, when's his car coming? And they're like, well, we can give you a budget for a car. But when they pushed back on his plus one, I said, well, you need to give him a plus one because we just spent thousands of dollars to come out here to go to your event mm-hmm. when you were pushing me to have him. And so they were like, well, we can't give him a plus one because he's at this particular table sitting next to this particular person and these people are at the table they're like but we can give you an like an extra $2,500 towards his expenses for his styling and his grooming and stuff so we took it but it was like you have to you can't be afraid to push back and get the things that you know your client needs or deserves and even if you don't get it at least you at least I got something to take back to him where he was like, that's cool. So it all worked yeah. out. You know? So, so I think like a skill, one of the skill sets is to never be okay with what the first offer is yeah. and not to be intimidated by who you're talking to because they may be, you know, higher up and people look at them in such a different way and they only deal with like the top of the cream, cream to the crop, da 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 da. Okay, well, you want my client. My client to me is the cream of the crop. So if you want him or her, then you got to treat him like or her like the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. Absolutely. So it seems like what you're saying is in a large part, you almost act as their agent and mm-hmm. you have to negotiate and negotiation skills are important to be able to properly represent your client. Correct. Okay. I mean, I would say in certain aspects of it, now that I'm like, been here for so long i don't want to do any of that so like i don't care what your styling budget is i tell the stylist tell your agent to negotiate that i'm not your agent don't right. come to me to chase your money down i chase my own money down right right you know right. rumors agent can negotiate their budget if you don't want to do it don't do it i'll find somebody else mm-hmm. so this is what the studio is offering if you don't want to do it then i don't care find somebody else that'll do it but but it seems you know, though there there may be sometimes there's an exception to that rule Definitely. Like I bring in brand if, if they're up for an Oscar or this, Correct. Then it's like, okay. I bring, okay. In, I bring in branding opportunities when I can, even though I'm not a branding agent. I put clients on television series, even though I'm not an agent. If they don't have a rep, 
I put a client on on Dance with the Stars. I put a client on Fox Special Forces. I made that client about half a million dollars, you know? And so if they don't have representation or the representation is not doing the best job for them and not paying attention to them, then there are times I'll just step in and just do what I do because I know that I I think on a different level than I think most publicists think about, okay, press red carpets. I think about press red carpets. How do we get them to make money? How do we get them to make more money? How do we get their quotes up? How do I get them opportunities to walk into an event and make money? Like my client that's hopefully going to be up for Oscars and everything. First thing I did when I walked, one of the first things I did when I walked out of the screening was I texted his stylist and I said, he's going to be nominated for an Oscar. You need to start getting the brands ready to see who's going to pay him to wear their clothing on the carpets for all these award shows he's going to be nominated for. Like, I want him paid. And I want different designers. I don't want the same designers that he's been in. I want new designers. I want to take this opportunity and break him out on the next level. Even though he's top of the top, designers will only direct, dress certain people. Well, once you, you've got that kind of buzz, well, we can open you up to a lot of different people and they will pay. So let's make him some money. So that's like one of the first things I, you know, that's just kind of how I think. Like, let's just, let's, and to the stylist, of course, you will get broken off for that. Yeah. Get your fee too. You have your yeah. agent negotiate it, take a fee, but let's really like, let's work this opportunity for him. You know? Absolutely. And so it, it, it seems like what you're saying is at your company, at Strategic Public Relations, you really are an overall advocate uh, uh, for your clients. And that's something that's important. And that's something that kind of distinguishes you. So that's incredible. Let's go to, there's a lot of conversation these days about work-life balance. And talking to a person who has a very, very hectic schedule and who's secured at a very, very high level for so long, what is your, what is what does work-life balance mean to you? And how does that, is it real? Does it exist? Give me your thoughts on work-life balance. I'm really good at that. I've been trying to get better at that over the last, I'd say, six to seven years. I was in the first 10 years I had my first company. I had no life. And I did everything for every client, even with, like, having four different back surgeries. And clients didn't want assistance to walk them down the carpet. And then I would show up in a back brace and a walker. And just in excruciating pain and not allowing myself time to heal or just saying, okay, well, if you can't use my assistant, then just go. Uh, you know, that I just pain that you could possibly imagine. I can't even put into words. I wouldn't do that nowadays. Being with a client, like an old client, I can't remember his name, who was just ungrateful while my dog was having surgery and I should have been there for my dog. And then he shows up like five hours late for a shoot and then I'm stuck there. And then I go and my dog dies and I should have been there for my dog. You know, I shouldn't have been at that shoot. He was like a nothing. He's nobody. I don't even know what remember his name, but it's just things like that where I just didn't know how to balance work and my life, give my life importance. So it's been over the past six, seven years where I'm really trying to do better like mm -hmm. 
I try not to answer my phone on the weekends unless it's an emergency. I try to set clients straight. Like that's not an emergency. You should just email that and I'll get back to you on Monday. Or there are some clients I just love talking to. Like I pick up for your wife no matter what. She called me on a Sunday. I'll pick up for her. I just enjoy her. But I also know that she respects my time and she's calling. She wouldn't be calling if, it, if she didn't need to talk to me because her schedule's so busy. Right, right. Um, because she's a doctor. But there's different doctor, you know, trying to end my day at 7 or 8 instead of starting my day at 10 and working till midnight. So it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle. Like all the time, like I've been wanting, it's, it's October. And I told my boyfriend in January this year, every three months, I'm going to take a week off and get stuff done around the house and do some stuff and, and take the dogs to the dog park and the dog beach and da 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 da. It's October 11th. I have not done that once this year. Mm. So it's hard. So let me ask you this to piggyback on that. Do you believe is that the price that's required to pay to succeed in your industry? When you're dealing with talent, I would say, you know what? I don't know. I think it's just everyone's different personalities. I know a lot of publicists are just like, uh, you're not paying me enough to take your call on the weekend. You're not paying me enough to take your call after hours unless, unless it's an emergency. And so I think it's just different personalities. I'm kind of a giver. And since I don't have children, I look at my clients like like I'm their mother, even if they're older than me. So I don't know. I think it's just I think it's just each person's different personality. But if you don't find a way to balance which I say to my staff all the time. And I try, I really try not to bother them on the weekends, but I'll text things that I need done on Monday. Cause I, if I don't text it, I won't remember it. And they know that. And they might just give me a thumbs up or whatever. They know they don't have to stop what they're doing on the weekends. But and if I find out that some of my staff is doing extra stuff for clients and the clients are bothering them on the weekends, I'll stop it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because I don't want people getting burnt out. Right. Because there's several times that I got burnt out, but mm. then since I was the boss, there's nothing I can't quit my job. Mm. Where am I where am I gonna go? I got bills to pay. So it's important from the get go. So I just try to teach my staff at coming in in their twenties that you have to be able to balance and the first thing I tell them too is clients are not your friends. Don't try to hang out with them. Mm. Don't think they're your friends. Don't talk about what we do in the office. Don't do any of that. Like I learned all that when I worked at a talent agent, one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. And I just try to give, teach them everything that I learned so they don't make the same stupid mistakes that I made coming into business. Absolutely. Absolutely. So also, Shannon, to kind of piggyback on that, obviously you've had extensive experience representing uh, clients in the PR space. Talk to me about some of the creative projects that you're thinking of also pursuing in the Hollywood and the creative space as well. Well, In the last three or four years, I've been trying to figure out, okay, what else can I do besides PR because I'm getting older and this is not what I want to do in my 70s. I don't want to take care of grownups in my 70s. That's just not what I want to do. So when the strike happened and the after strike portion happened and it was very panicky and you know I'm talking to the heads of some of the biggest PR not even some of of all the biggest PR firms in Hollywood 
on our WhatsApp thread. And they're all telling me, well, you got to pivot. You got to learn how to pivot your business. You got to do this because I do afters. And so as I'm talking to them and having discussions with each of them and they're telling me about, you got to pivot, you got to figure out how to pivot like right now, or you're going to go under. And I was, I've been able to pivot and sign some different types of clients and stuff that I wouldn't normally sign. So that's expanded the business, but I also decided that I know a lot about this business and I know how a lot of things work and. I think I want to produce. So then I decided to put out a call to put together a housewives type series and uh, found 21 amazing ladies in my area, narrowed them down to nine, learned really quick. And within three weeks, I had to hire an editor, a pitch deck person, uh, got put together with one of the biggest reality show producers, production companies in the business, got myself a manager. He put me with one of the biggest reality show producers and production companies in the business with open deals at different networks. She loves my show. She loves my the ladies I have in the show. So she's jumped on board and now we're working to pitch, take that to networks in November. I'm working with another young, lovely lady on another reality show of doctors based in New York. I'm talking to another client who is based in Chicago, who is a black woman who owns her own practice. And she's got a group of friends who are like another like eight beautiful black women that own their own practices in Chicago. So I thought, well, that's a show. Last night I was at my friend, my little sister's birthday party. And she was telling me about all the women at the table and how they work in property management. And she was telling me all the stories. And I was like, whoa, that's a show. So like, it's really great because now I'm thinking on the lines that anyone who talks to me and tells me what they do, the first thing I think of, can I make this a show? So I've got five show ideas after I pitch this show, after this show gets picked up, I'm being positive. And I have another five ideas that my manager said are fabulous ideas and I'm going to get those out there. So I would love to, I'm going to start my own production company. In fact, I have to talk to my business manager about getting that set up for next week start the process and the paperwork for that and so yeah I want to produce I want to have my PR company and I just want to be I want to be a force in the industry I've always wanted to be a force in the industry you know I just taking me a minute to figure it out but I didn't come from the industry I I figured I, I worked my way into it and figured it out and navigated it myself I didn't have any help so okay shot arrives <laughs> I wish yeah, no, that that is awesome. That is awesome. So, Shannon, what I would like to do is let's go back. I would love to hear about your early childhood influences. I would love to hear about were you always this entrepreneurial, creative person as a child? Were you a strong student in school? Were you the popular girl, the cheerleader, the head of the science club? Like, tell me about where you were born and raised. And, you know, how you became this force that you are today. Well, my story is kind of boring, I would say. Born on the Lemoore Naval Base in Lemoore, California, and the biggest naval base in Northern California. My dad's military. He's in the, he was in the Navy. Parents from the South, Georgetown, South Carolina. You know, poor Parents were married in high school. Dad went into the Navy when he was 16 years old. And it wasn't until we got to Lemoore that 
my dad finally retired and we really stopped moving around. So I would say that it was around eight years old. I love old movies. I love old movies. I love classic movies. I love black and white. And back then, I'm a lot older than I look. So back then, there was only like five channels. Four channels? I don't know, five. And uh, so there were a lot of old movies that played on Sunday. And uh, the MGM movies were my favorite. And it was always like, someone's in the business and someone's gonna, I'm gonna destroy you, you know? <laughs> You'll never work in this town again. And it was always like that kind of movie. And I was like, yeah. this is what I want to do. I want to make stars. I want to make stars. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my mom, at eight, I want to make stars. And she's like, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. I just want to make stars. I want to make stars. She's like, why don't you want to be a star? I'm like, I want to be a star. I want to make a star. So I just knew since I was like eight that I wanted to like be a driving force behind stars and create them mm-hmm. and help push them along in their careers. So my job isn't a job. My job is like a career dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I always, always wanted to do. I love Doris Day. I remember when I worked at, and I love the Net Bunicello. And I remember getting my job at ICM was like my first big industry job working as an assistant at ICM. And the second desk I went on in the talent department, I worked for Net Bunicello's little brother and got to meet Annette right when she was diagnosed with MS. But I got to meet her at a barbecue and I got to sit next to her. It was like a dream come true. And actually, I'm having lunch with him, this man, tomorrow. He's like 76 years old, and we still stay in touch. But I haven't worked for him in decades. And, um, you know, so I just love, just love, love, love old Hollywood. Like, Doris Day is like my favorite actress. Clint Eastwood's my favorite actor. I love the Andy Griffith show. I watch it all the time to this day. Black and white Andy Griffith, Barney Fife. Like, I'm just old school, old school. And I really feel like when something's done right, you can watch it a hundred times and always find something new about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's always what's like intrigued me about the business and just like watching somebody from the beginning of their career, say like when Jayla was a fly girl on In Living Color to like JLo now. And I just remember like JLo after Selena when she got looking like money. Right. And you're like, oh, JLo just turned into money. Right. And like, so I love like to watch the transition from when you start out from in the middle. And then when you're like, you are a megastar, it's a whole different transformation. Mm. And I enjoy being part of helping someone with that transformation, you know, and I'm helping guide their careers and, and guiding them with advice and stuff. Awesome. So what kind of growing up, what kind of student were you? Were you a good student or were you? I would say I was like a B, C student. Didn't care about school. Really did care. I don't think my parents emphasized school that much. My mom says that's a lie when I've talked to her about it. But when, like when I found out you could say you were taking the PSAT classes and then you could just skip school, then that's what my friends and I did. We're like, oh, we're taking the PSAT and we just left. And it wasn't like a party or anything like that. I never, I didn't. Wasn't a partier, didn't go to parties, really didn't drink in high school or anything like that. Went to Christian summer camp every summer. But I just really did not care about school. I didn't, I never took my SATs because I also found out if you go to junior college, you don't need SATs. So, like, why would I take that? Like, that's right. it. I didn't take it because I knew I was going to go to junior college because I knew I was paying for college myself. Mm-hmm. So, when I got into college, then that's when I, decided my major would be communications. 
And because I knew, I talked to a girl whose major was communications and she's like, oh yeah, she was in the entertainment industry. She's like, major in communications and you can get any job you want in the entertainment industry. Because you, you have to communicate with everybody. I said, oh, that makes sense. And so I majored in communications and then I transferred to Long Beach State because they had a really great communications department. I gotta be honest, I don't even remember my grades, but I obviously graduated, so I did okay. Right. And because uh, I was busy working, I was busy putting myself through college. So like I really don't remember a lot of it because I was working, I was trying to take as many classes per uh, quarter as I could or semester as I could to so I could get out early. But I was also waitressing 50, 60 hours a week to pay mm-hmm. for it and living on my own. So like I, I just really don't even like remember. And then I remember being so comfortable at my waitressing job that after I graduated, it was like a year before I even tried to get a job and my friend at the time, one of my good friends at the restaurant at the time, her name was Caprice. And I don't know whatever happened to her, but I really owe her my entire career. She mm. put my resume together and got me a internship. Wow. At a small boutique talent agency. And that woman, Gloria Hernajosa, who is still in the business today, she represents Danny Trejo, along with a lot of other people. In fact, she took me in my first movie set. It was From Dust Till Dark. It was Danny's first movie. She signed, I think she signed Danny while he was still in jail. He was getting out of jail. And he sent uh, his headshot and she signed him. And then she got him from Dust Till Dawn. That was my first movie set. That was the movie where Selma Hayek was discovered. And it was George Clooney's first big movie. And I went on that set and I was just like, this is it. This is what I have. I have to be in this business. And I remember working, getting comfortable with her and working for her for almost two years for free. And she's like, little bird. She called me Black Malibu Barbie. She's like, Malibu. You have to go now. You have to go. You have to go get another job that pays you and you have to fly. And to this day, I still talk to her. I love And she really guided me and and helped me. And she's like, you're going to do great. Just if you need anything, just always, I'm here. And so from there, I went through my horrible experiences of being black and dealing in this business, I mean, remember working at a, from there I went into a, I went to work at a big commercial agency and the lady that ran that commercial agency was horrible. I didn't work for her. I worked for the second in charge, but he answered to her and like, I had like this curly weave and she said, I had my head looked like a rat's nest. Yeah. Make me do her assistant's work because she wanted to go out to drinks with her assistant at the end of the night. I would walk in and I'd catch them talking about me. And it's just like, this is the most toxic environment I've ever been in. And then one night I was at the bar Mamont talking about this woman to somebody that was just so upset. And this girl tapped me on the shoulder and she said, are you talking about so-and-so? And I was like, who are you? And she goes, I'm the girl that's going to change your life. And I said, you are. And she goes, that was my old job. She goes, and I left there and I went to work at international creative management i go what's that she goes icm i said i don't know what that is she's like you need to look at you need to research and look it up she's like give me your number i'm leaving you're going to work for my boss and you're going to work in the talent department and he's one of the top rising agents in the business and you're going to take up his job wow don't remember her name either but he sure to get me that job (laughs) he got me that job and then i was able to go to icm another toxic environment at the time very toxic all this is before me too oh very very toxic uh during the time when the movie swimming with sharks came out with kevin spacey 
and every assistant in town was talking about it because it was very true to and still is to a lot for a lot of people true to what the business is like so if anybody wants to know what the business is like watch swimming with sharks and it's about an assistant that snaps and kidnaps his horrible boss and then starts torturing him like keep cutting him and pouring salt in his wounds and said and we, we all saw it as assistants we were just applauding we were just so happy we like, that but it did but from working at ICM, even though I knew working there, I would never want to be an agent, especially at that time period when they really didn't have black agents. Mm-hmm. And the one black girl that they did have that they did promote, they treated her like garbage. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and it was just horrible for her. I learned by being at a level, an agency that level, I got exposed to everybody. So every major casting director, every major major producer, every major executive producer, every major studio head, every major publicist. So I was able to kind of figure out by working there what I wanted to try to do. And so I figured PR, I noticed that when the girls left and they went to the studios and they did PR, they were getting promoted pretty fast. And I was like, all I was thinking about is getting a job that I could get promoted at very fast. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go into PR, which, but then it was very interesting because I took a year off and I had my hair in braids. This was like so long ago. Like this would never happen now. I had my hair in braids and my mom, my sister had this like eBay business and I was working for my sister, like packing boxes in her garage and making 10 bucks an hour, which was a lot back then. And I'm coming to work on flip-flops and I had my hair in braids and my mom's like, it's time to go get a job now. Go get a job back in your career, figure it out. And so I kept trying to get a job and I had experience working at the biggest agency in the world at the time. They kept going flip-flopping between CAA and them as the biggest. Could not get a job. And my mom said, take your braids out. She's like, take your braids out. I took my braids out and I got like five jobs off. I wasn't getting a job because I had braids in my hair. Because I was more than qualified. And so then I ended up at my first PR company called BWR, but I was in corporate working on television shows and not talent where I wanted to be. But because there's always a reason for things happening, and I've always felt like God has always guided me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he let me in corporate PR for a reason because it was there that when I got promoted to junior publicist and the managers would call the studio publicist and the studio publicist would put them on my boss because we were their um, outside agency and they would call to ask why their clients were not getting any press and she didn't want to talk to them and she would kick it to the next person below her and they didn't want to talk to them and then they would kick it to me to get rid of them. But I didn't do that. I remembered working when I worked at the talent agency. I hated when the talent called and the agents went and take their call. Mm. And the agents wouldn't take their call because they had nothing to say to them because they didn't have a project for them or they didn't have an audition. I said, well, just take their call. I mean, they're desperate. I can hear it in their voice. Like, take their mm. call. Like, assure them that something will come up and they were just get rid of them. And so I was like, okay, I will never do that. So I talked to the managers and I was bored working at that agency because they just had me pitching radio all day because the girl that I was under didn't want to teach me 
really how to do it. And she didn't want to, she didn't want me to have her contacts basically. Mm. So I was pitching Ringy all day, which was just like a dead end. So I started pitching those managers clients for free. Mm. And I was getting impressed. And I said, please don't tell anybody, but I'll, I'm going to pitch you your client and, and get you pressed. So I was getting them pressed. And so then when my company was acquired, they laid up all the junior publicists. I had to go get another job. And I found, I, I misresearched this company. I always thought I was getting hired at a company that was bigger than it was. And it wasn't. There was, there was a company that had the same name. And when I got to my first day, my boss at the time said, I want you to start a talent department. And I was like, how would I do that? I've only worked at two, two major places. And those places, they give you talent. Like people don't have to try to get talent working there. And he's like, well, do you have Rolodexes? And I said, I have three gigantic Rolodexes. So then I just now dated myself. And he goes, well, I feel if you look through your Rolodex, you can figure it out. And I was like, okay. So the first thing I did was I called this girl who had been calling me to represent her. We had a mutual friend, but she was at BWR with the biggest publicist in the world at the time. And but she felt like she was being ignored. And I called her and said, listen, I left BWR. She goes, where are you at? I'll be there tomorrow. Mm. And she just comes and she hands me like a big stack of stuff. Her name was Brandy Roderick. She was the star of Baywatch Hawaii, and which was a huge show at the time. And she was the lead. And she came in with a stack of stuff this high. And she put everything down and she handed me a check that was triple than what that guy at the time was charging. So at the time, that guy was only charging $500 for PR. I'm like, for personal PR, I'm like, that's insane. I said, you know, VWR charges 15, right? Like, even that's insane now when you think about it. And she handed me a check for 1500 and she goes, okay, do it. And I was like, okay. She's still my client. She just texted me. Whereas she's still my client like 24 years later, 23 years later. And then I called all the managers that I was helping with their clients on the shows and they all brought their clients and they did the same thing, just handed me a check and said, keep doing what you're doing for us. Mm. And next thing you knew, I had 20 clients on network television after the first year. And I left that company and started Shannon Bar Public Relations. <laughs> so I started it on a whim. And I started it because my assistant at the time was like, start your own company. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? I go, what do you mean? She's like, I, I'll work out of your apartment. I go, how can I start a company? I have no money. She's like, you do have money. She's like, just take all the client money. And then I was like, I don't have, I don't have money to get offices. She's like, I'll work out of your apartment. I said, my one bedroom apartment. She's like, I will work in the corner. I don't. She's like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, okay. So like, I have that girl to thank for it too. Her, her name was Trisha. And I was like, okay, we're going to do it. And so I took all my clients. I was at 25 of them and started the company. Didn't have to take out any loans. And Still have it to this day. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That is an incredible story. The two things that I took out of that story was first, you've had people along the way who give you encouragement, who've inspired you, who've given you that opportunity. You had an opportunity to give them their flowers just a minute ago. But second, you ran across some big obstacles when people were prejudging you and not hiring you because of your hair. The sexual harassment that women were experiencing and are probably still experiencing in the industry, but people not giving you opportunity. But despite those obstacles, you continue to persevere. You continue to push forward. Where did that tenacity, where did that tenaciousness come from 
to, despite all of the obstacles that came your way, all of the challenges, what kept you going in, in the face of all of that? My parents, just flat out, they've just always have been very like, be proud, don't let anything get in your way. Like even being sick, I grew up with asthma, having back and neck issues. Even then, even my dad would say when I was little, like, I don't care if you can't breathe, walk straight, stand up straight, even though you can't breathe and get yourself to the hospital if we're not around, but you stand up straight and walk straight. And so even like just that, and always just them telling me I can do anything, yeah. you know? And so it was them. That's amazing. I didn't know like not to try because they would have been like, why didn't you try? <laughs> that's really, that's what it all boils down to is just them. It's, okay, I can't even put it into words. They're, I don't even know that they realized how encouraging they were to me. Right. And probably thinking about what they had to overcome coming from the South, being a man in military in whatever years those were, the 60s, the 70s. I'm sure he had a lot that he had to overcome, and your mom as well. Well, so, lots of stories. They set a high high standard for you. That's incredible. Yeah. So as we wrap up, Shannon, man, you've given me so much stuff. As we wrap up, I have a few more questions for you. First question, okay. is, I, wanna, I want you to kind of put, we're going to do a little bit of role playing. Assume that I'm like an aspiring publicity uh, person, a person who wants to follow in your footsteps, who wants to maybe start their own firm one day. Talk to me about the resources that you've used. What books have you read or what content or information have you consumed, whether it's a podcast, a book? I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, are there breadcrumbs that you were able to pick up along the way that maybe we can also refer to somebody else who's aspiring to be in your position as well? Absolutely nothing. I read nothing. I listened to nothing. In fact, I was having lunch with these two wonderfully beautiful um, young managers yesterday, female managers, and they were asking me, is it hard to start your own company? I said, no. I told them exactly what to do. I said, get a good business manager, a good accountant, get your S-Corp going, copyright your name if you can, if you're allowed to copyright it because some names are just big and you can't copyright. And I said, you already have the clients. You just, you take, you take two, two weeks to a month to, to get the company going, open the accounts, and then you let your clients know you're leaving. And wink, wink, I can't officially ask you to come with me because it's, you know, it's poaching. But wink, wink, if you want to come with me, come on and come. And they're all going to go anyways. They're not going to stay there. When you're their point, they're not going to stay at a company that they don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing with like when I was at Rogers and Cowan, like they never tried to know my clients. So when I left and I took this very big book of business with me, they couldn't try to go after my clients because my clients would be like, who are you? Mm. You know, so they were not. And you can't force a you, you can't force anybody to stay at a company that when they don't want to stay there. So like I'd also say, don't be afraid about. NDAs or like non-poaching agreements and stuff like that, they don't hold up in court. Because you can't, you, it's not, it's not slave times. You can't force somebody to stay at a company when if you're the person that they know and they want to be with you. You can't. They can hold you. They can tie you up with legal battles, but eventually they'll lose and they'll have to pay your legal bills anyways. Mm. But, but basically it's get your S-Corp ready. Get, if you have to get a loan, put it in for the, put in for the loan. 
get everything, get all your ducks in a row. And then if you have clients of your own, let the clients know and, and have a start date. That's what I did both times for both companies. I just was like, I'm out. And then just started it. <laughs> that is amazing. She just gave you the blueprint to start your own PR firm. My next question <laughs> is, if you had to go back in time and talk to the 18-year-old Shannon Barr, the recently high school graduated, opted out of the SAT, who's, you know, not really interested in school, knowing everything that you've learned since then, what advice would you give to this 18-year-old Shannon? I would tell 18-year-old Shannon to really pay attention to who is in charge and to who can move your career. So if you're at a big company, figure out who are the promotable desks, who are the promotable people that you want to be working with at that company and make a relationship with them and schmooze them and get on, get work for them. Because if those, if there's only at a big company, there's only a handful of people that are promote that their desks are promotable. So that's the number one thing you want to do. And then you really want to research all the time. You, if I went back to when I worked at ICM, I would read the trades every day from cover to cover. And I didn't do that back then. And I would do that now because you need to know names. You need to know who's doing what, who's making moves. And whatever industry it is, whatever that particular piece of public literature or publication is, you should know your business. I didn't start really doing that until later, like during my first company. I should have been doing that back when I was an assistant and researching, okay, I don't want to be here, but where's the best move for me? Not just like, let's just throw it out there and put a bunch of resumes out. Should have been targeted and everything should be targeted when you're in the entertainment industry and you're trying to move up the ladder. You shouldn't be a jerk and it shouldn't be targeted to where you're, you'll hurt people or lie about people or anything like that. But you should have a game plan and really, really, really pay attention to the business that you want to be in. And quite honestly, an 18 year old Shannon, I would tell 18 year old Shannon to pivot and go into politics because that's what I want to do. I really want to do PR, political PR now that I'm so into politics. And my mom's like, you could still do it. She told me that the other day. You could do it. You could do it. I'm like, I don't want to move to DC. I don't want to. Do She's like, you can do it from here. Just do it. Just do it. And I'm like, you know what? I have to find a couple of politicians I really like and go after them and just see if I can just. I'm going to volunteer for Joe Biden's campaign in 2024. I want to do it on a high, on a top level. So I have to like put the feelers out on like how do I get involved in the campaign on a top level? Because if I can't meet Joe and work on that level and deal with his top people, then I don't want to do it. But but I definitely I think my next pivot may be into politics. Oh, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Shannon Bar to politics comment. I study that really hard every day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So. One of the key purposes of this podcast is really three big things. First of all, we wanted to be able to create opportunities to show visuals of black sex success. I know for many people, this is going to be the first time they ever saw a black a CEO and founder of a black public relations company. Also, you clearly laid out in multiple different ways the how to, the knowledge on how to be able to accomplish and follow your footsteps. 
And that is amazing. But the third thing, and probably in my opinion, the most impactful thing that we're looking to try to do is to create mentor mentee opportunities. My question to you is, are you mentoring anybody right now? And are you open to mentoring more people? And I put a caveat to that is, you know, mentor could be one text message every couple of months. It could be a five minute phone call every now and again, but it's not some super time intensive thing. I'm not mentoring anybody. I have done it in the past. I've told young black people trying to get into this business that I'm always here for them. When I represented John Singleton, who I love and miss um, tremendously all the time, I think about him all the time. I've never seen anybody in this business pay it forward the way that John Singleton paid it forward. And I'm talking, he lifted up every single young black person he met including me and from teaching at USC to mentoring when he would put a show together like when he put snowfall together he was like my three leads of snowfall they're the biggest they're gonna be the biggest things in the world Shannon he took Damson Idris to every event I took I got John into the Vanity Fair Oscar party the Elton John Oscar party the governor's ball any major award show like he took Damson into every room and introduced Damson as his star mm. and he just paid it for it and the other guys on the show he took them to different events he mentored them he gave them the tools and the knowledge to succeed in this business and watching John was always awe-inspiring and so I've any and I mean you don't, you don't have to just be black you can be white or Mexican or Asian or whatever I don't care but anyone who wants advice from me or, or wants to check in with me and ask me to be their mentor, I would be more than happy to do it. Awesome. awesome. So, awesome. So, follow up question. Do you need a mentor, Tony? What's that? <laughs> do you need a mentor, Tony? Absolutely. Hey, I'll take it. If you offer it, I will definitely take it. Uh, it's my next question is two part question. First, how would a mentor or a mentee, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you? Is it like an email or something? And second, just outside of that, with your PR firm and the other projects that you have coming, is there a website? Is there a social media? What should people tune into to find you in the various things that you're involved in? I, guess to get a, I don't like to give out my personal email because I don't want a bunch of people emailing me with stupid stuff when people do find my emails that it's always something like oh hey this girl sent me an email like oh i saw your client in monster high and i would like to audition for the next one can you help i'm like dilly you know what i mean like come on figure it out like you should know enough not to text not to email a publicist about an audition you know what i mean right. so like you don't if you don't even know that i don't have time to help you right 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 you're gonna say you're gonna be an actor but you don't know you think i can get you an audition like that's ridiculous Right. But, um, sorry, I forgot the question. What'd you say? <laughs> well, I guess the best way, and I don't know if you're saying that. Oh, how to get a hold of me. I would say DM me on strategic public relations on Instagram. Okay. Okay. So DM, me, DM me on my Instagram. I don't check it a lot, but I will check it. And if I am interested or can help, then I would send, um, my account coordinator's email to, connect with her to set up a call with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do give, if people can find my email, which again, I credit the ones that can, because it means that they're doing their research as young people. 
So if you can figure out how to get my email and it's out there, you can figure it out. If you can figure out how to get my email and I do get emails of people asking me like, could you, would you represent me? And I'll read their stuff and I'll say, you don't need a publicist. You need an agent. Mm. And they'll say, well, do I need a manager? I'm like, well, no, most people starting out do not need both. So I'll give them some advice and kind of put them on a path. Or if people say, oh, I like the last podcast I did, they're like, oh, I saw your sad pod- podcast. I need a publicist. Could you, could, can I meet with you? And I was like, sure. But I found that a lot of the people that were listening to that podcast aren't in their careers where they can afford a publicist, mm. number one. Or number two, they don't have a project that warrants a publicist. Mm. So then I would just tell them what warrants PR and what doesn't warrant PR. And to know that if they're going to get a publicist that is has any grain of salt in the business, you're looking to start your fees at least 45 to 5. So if you don't have that kind of money and you don't have a budget for at least four months for that kind of money, then you can't get a publicist. Or you can get a publicist, but they're probably not going to be good and you're going to throw your money away. Right, right. So so I do give people lots of advice, probably more than I should. But I would love to have them. I'd love to mentor somebody like on a, like, you know, over the course of like a decade or something or throughout the career. I would love to do that. And so what I heard for a very ambitious and enterprising young person out there, that was a challenge. She said, <laughs> if, if you can locate my email, it's out there somewhere. So opportunity for those who are watching, just to wrap up, Shannon, is there anything specific that you'd like to promote? Anything specific, any website you'd like to direct people to, social media handles you'd like to direct them to? And we'll also put it on the screen as well. It'll be somewhere around here. Well, the Instagram is Strategic Public Relations. You can find the website on the Instagram if you guys want to go on that. That's pretty much it. I mean, if you're, you got something going on and you've nailed that lead or strong supporting of a great movie or television series, look me up. <laughs> Absolutely. That was a great way to wrap things up. Thank you so much, Shannon. This has been a pleasure. I had, a, a, I had an incredible time with you. And yeah, that's the podcast.